It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining us. And welcome to our new format where we spend time chatting with guests to ask for their favorite tip. After 10 years and 473 podcasts of our own, we're reaching out to other experts in the gardening world. My guests today are Rob and Chelsea McFarland, the founders of Honey Love and authors of Save the Bees with Natural Backyard Hives. Honeylove.org is a nonprofit educational group with a mission to protect honeybees by educating our communities and inspiring new urban beekeepers. And Honeylove offers monthly beekeeping workshops in the Los Angeles area. So if you're interested, check that out. I also want to add that Honeylove advocates for natural or treatment free beekeeping. And we should note Rob and Chelsea were also instrumental in moving forward legislation to legalize beekeeping in Los Angeles. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Rob and Chelsea. Thanks for having us. Sure. So obviously today's subject is about bees and beekeeping, but I wanted our listeners to know that you also have a garden and you keep chickens. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. And how, I'm just curious, how many chickens do you have now? We're up to 16 now. Oh my God, I'm so jealous. And, uh, and so we, uh, several years ago, we co-hosted a garden chicken bee trifecta party with, uh, that, that here at Garden Nerd headquarters with the Los Angeles Urban Chicken Enthusiast Meetup Group. And I have to say that was probably one of the funnest parties we ever had because don't those things all go really well together to you? I, I definitely think one is the gateway drug to the next, whichever <laughs> side you come in on. It's true. And you guys, you started with bees and then moved to, to what after that? We went to chickens after bees, yep. And then and then gardening after that? Actually, gardening's what brought us into bees. Ah, so that was my next question was, how did you come to beekeeping and to honey love? So I, I've just always enjoyed growing stuff, growing growing food and the challenge that that, that entails. And uh, when we moved to Los Angeles and, and we bought our first house, uh, we had the opportunity to, you know, really get our garden going. Um, so I was spending, you know, quite a bit of time uh, out in the garden learning and, and growing stuff. And one day, actually, I was out there and I noticed at first just a few bees buzzing around. And then moments later, literally tens of thousands, as I like to say, uh, blotting out the sun. Huh. And and basically what was happening was a swarm had shown up. And a swarm is, is basically uh, the honeybee colony's reproductive cycle. Uh, when they decide that it's time to uh, reproduce, um, they issue a swarm where the existing queen leaves the hive uh, with about 60% of the bees um, to go look for a new, uh, a new space to, to colonize. Um, so when that happened, uh, it was, it was hook, line and sinker. Uh, I just, I was so fascinated, uh, by this just unbelievable experience. Um, I, I just never looked back. And, and so you took some time to capture those bees. Did they land in your backyard? What happened then? Yeah, so they, they landed in a bush actually just right outside uh, my neighbor's back door. Um, and, you know, I grew concerned that, you know, they were going to freak out and call an exterminator or something. And I'd, I'd been sort of poking around 
around uh, local beekeeping groups, um, you know, very preliminarily and, and knew that there was uh, people that would come out and, and rescue uh, swarms. So first thing I did was run inside to get my camera. Uh-huh. I, had to, <laughs> I had to record this, this sort of phenomena. Um, and then the next thing that I did was just pick up the phone and, and call the beekeeper. And he came out and showed me how to catch the swarm in a box, which is the first step mm-hmm. uh, to starting a new colony. Right. For those who are amply attired, if I'm not mistaken, we want to you don't want to just go out there with the t-shirt and jeans and and catch a swarm, is that right? Uh well, actually swarms are are when bees are at their absolutely most docile. Uh they don't have a a colony or baby bees to protect. Um so they're pretty focused on just staying together as a group and and protecting the queen. But whenever you're dealing with bees, particularly in Los Angeles, uh, it is always a good idea to just, you know, cover up your face, uh, throw on a bee suit if you can. But yeah, that's that's sort of the story with with swarms. If you want to actually watch Rob rescue a swarm, we have a pretty sweet video I shot on my iPhone, actually, of him doing so in our other next door neighbor's yard years later. And um, I think he just has on a, a veil at that point and is actually holding bees in his hand. So it's a pretty awesome little video on our YouTube channel, which uh, is youtube.com slash honeylove. Okay, so Honeylove has a YouTube channel, and it's a very good, informative YouTube channel, I might add. Um, so everyone should definitely check that out. So you mentioned, you know, if you're especially if you're in Los Angeles, <clears throat> bees are different here. So now you're you're located in Washington now, right? Yeah, we moved up here to Spokane, Washington to start a family, um, and we now live on a five-acre farm. Uh, tell me what that looks like. Just describe for us what what your land looks like for everybody so they can be there in their minds with you. So the, the contrast is our house in L.A. We were surrounded by apartment complexes across the street from the DMV right by the 405 freeway. So we <laughs> sold that house, and for half the cost of that house, half, half what we sold that one for, we bought five acres on Silver Lake, actually, just 15 minutes uh, west of Spokane. And we have a barn and a chicken coop and a greenhouse. and Oh, my God. It sounds fantastic. We have a, a nice uh, vegetable garden, and uh, we have, you know, uh, actually the property was formerly a, a dairy farm. Oh. Um, so there's lots of, of pasture, um, which is great. I we remember. willow trees, too, which are just gorgeous. And in the summer, kick off this little mist that I never knew about, and it is amazing. I'm sorry. I missed what kind of trees those are. Can you say that again? Willow. Three willow trees. Oh, lovely. So you have willow trees. Now, I remember you saying that you planted about an acre with some kind of cover crop just for the bees. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, we, we actually... Uh, planted in, in all of the pasture area. We planted yellow sweet clover, white uh, Dutch clover, and alfalfa. Wonderful. So a little, probably two or three acres, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's all three nice. of those are nitrogen-fixing plants, and they all just produce 
you know, wonderful nectar for the bees. So they're very happy. So as you've been beekeeping up there, what have you experienced is the difference between beekeeping in a place where you get a, you know, snow in winter and a dearth and here in the south where it's pretty much sunny all the time? The the big difference is winter. Um, it's, it's significantly more challenging to keep bees alive um, just because of the the snow and the temperature changes. What happens is if, when you get fluctuations in the temperature, uh, it has a tendency to create moisture within the hive. So it may heat, you know, warm up into the 40s during uh, the day and the bees, you know, start moving around and, and sort of, uh, you know, generating a little bit of moisture. But then overnight it gets below freezing and within the hive freezes and and has a tendency to kill your bees. So mm. this last winter was especially harsh uh, because we did have a lot of the weather, or excuse me, temperature fluctuations. I remember in Los Angeles, our our big fear was please let our hive not get too big that it becomes you know too much to handle for your neighbors. And right. That was sort of our fear. You know, I remember. That fear and also just having to go out every morning and sort of bribe my chickens not to sound like chickens in the morning. <laughs> yes. Just my neighbors, I'm like, here's blueberries, here's what <laughs> you please be quiet. Have some um, kale, shut so, up. Yeah. That's not the life we have up here. You know, our neighbors have 30 goats and a llama and, you know, what used to be a cute, ironic hipster, you know, urban homestead vibe we had. Now we're just straight farmers. Awesome. <laughs> It sounds fantastic. Another big difference in, in keeping bees um, in an urban environment like Los Angeles and, and a more rural area where we are now is just the diversity of forage that's available. Um, in Los Angeles, pretty much throughout the year, um, there's something blooming. There's some source of nectar uh, for the bees to forage. And even at during a dearth there, it's warm enough that you can feed your bees to help get them through that that period of time where there isn't food for them to forage. Um, up here again, you know, during the winter, there's obviously nothing for them to eat, and it's too cold for them to leave the hive. But also um, in in the areas surrounding us, there's not a tremendous diversity of plant species for them to forage on. That's in part a result of of agriculture and the use of herbicides. Um, there used to be, you know, more weeds, more uh, clover, more more nectar-bearing plants. Um, but as we've, you know, sort of moved to more monocultural practices, uh, the, the diversity of plant species has just been reduced tremendously. Yeah. In Los Angeles, every neighbor waters all year round and plants their garden full of lovely things. Um, so our bees always had the, you know, they could travel up to, what is it, two to five miles for forage mm -hmm. if they wanted to. But really in Los Angeles, they wouldn't have to go that far. Um, but right. here, our bees may have to go that far. I see. Yeah, I my bees were rescued from Ocean View Farms Organic Community Garden, which is less than a mile away from here. So I'm pretty sure they're still going back there for visits, you know, to <laughs> to enjoy everything that's growing up there on six acres. So. Right. Yeah, that's a big difference. So let's talk about Save the Bees. I understand that you wrote this book at the same time as you were expecting a baby and moving to Washington. So first of all, how the heck did you do that? 
uh, we divided and conquered. I mostly grew the baby and he mostly wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> and and were you approached to write that book or did you pitch a, pitch it to a publisher? Um, actually, yeah, the publisher reached out to us. Um, they, they, you know, picked up on the fact that beekeeping is really swelling in popularity <laughs> and wanted to have an offering uh, for people you know, looking to learn more about the hobby. And basically, uh, the idea was to, to write a sort of primer on, on beekeeping, how to, how to get started, um, some basic, uh, you know, sort of biology about the hive, um, and, you know, really how people can, can become beekeepers in their own backyards. And also sort of the DIY step-by-step in instructions on what equipment you need, how to harvest honey, and lots of really great photos. So it really takes someone from knowing nothing to, you know, really getting their hands sticky. Yeah, sticky is right. Um, and, and the pictures in that book are gorgeous. And I love the the lay flat binding. So when you open a page, it stays open. And so if your hands are sticky, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of our good friends, uh, Barry Fontenot and, and Rob took those photos. So we're especially proud because... We, we actually got our eyes behind the lens on that one. Yeah, they're really beautiful photos. And I kept wondering as I'm turning the pages, like how the heck did they get some of these shots? They're just gorgeous. <laughs> so I imagine you, I mean, you're, you're always pretty close up and personal with the bees. Uh, I, Rob, I remember you helped me out once. My hive was being, was not behaving very well. And you went in and helped us reorganize and they stung, they got through your veil and stung you on the nose. And I... <laughs> I have to tell you, I feel sympathy because I am sporting a quite a bright red and swollen nose myself right now because I was shooting a video out back and a, a bee came over to explore. I was, I think I must have been brushing up against my lemongrass bush that's next to me. <laughs> and that's mimicking the pheromones of the queen, right? Or something. Yep. And, yep. and uh, it just landed on my face, no provocation, and stung me in the nose. So... I feel for you, Rob. <laughs> better better lemongrass than banana, though, because yeah. banana mimics the sting. Oh, yeah, that's no good. Okay, well, I don't have a banana tree, banana. so we're I all good. banana in your garden by your hive. <laughs> so before we get to your tip, let's talk about some exciting news you recently got that you told me about, and I want you to share with our listeners. Absolutely. So um, we were approached by um, a really awesome beekeeper named Mike Thomas. He's the... Um, with Penn Apic um, beekeeper out there, and he has his own apiary called Bjorn Apiaries. And he approached us to um, essentially take over National Honeybee Day, which is something, if you know Honey Love, we do an annual event um, that follows along with National Honeybee Day, normally the third Saturday in August. And this year it's on August 18th. And he gave us a call and an email and a Facebook. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said he he just really wanted it to thrive and he could think of no better organization than honey love to to take up the charge and that is just the most humbling and um amazing news ever because it's one of my favorite events we do every year so basically it's a sort of a hub for all of the bee clubs around the united states who are doing events on national honeybee day and they all get listed on a site, which is now on our website. So if you go to honeylove.org, you can see our main banner there is talking about save the date for National Honeybee Day. And there's a form on our little sub page 
that you can fill it out and you don't have to be a bee club. You could be a garden club. You could be, you know, just a school. Any Anybody who wants to do an event on National Honeybee Day, you can get listed on our site. And we're basically just trying to spread a buzz for the bees and why people need to really learn about how to be good stewards for them and, and what sort of environmental concerns are, are um, the honeybees are facing now and, and how we can all be better for the bees because we really do need those fuzzy little little insects to keep our, our gardens flourishing. True, and we need them for th- one out of every three to four bites of food that we eat. So very important. We're very excited about that, and uh, we'll have more to come on our website soon. Okay, so people can keep checking back on honeylove.org to see what's coming up soon. Yep, and registration is open, so they can just fill out the form if they're raring to go already. Excellent. All right. Well, it is tip time. So as as beekeepers, gardeners, and chicken keepers, what's one tip you'd like to share with the garden nerd audience? I'll, I'll do a two for one. Okay. Uh, the, the first is if you have a lawn, if you have grass growing in your yard, uh, throw some Dutch white clover out there. One, it, it will help fertilize your grass, but two, it's it's produces just a fantastic amount of nectar for bees. Awesome. And then, of uh, course, they will want to not use any pesticides on that lawn. That is correct, yes. And if you're in Los Angeles, you most likely don't have a lawn, but that's beside the point. <laughs> right. We're trying to get everyone to tear out their lawns over here. Kill your lawn. Yeah, that's kill right. your lawn. That's Put in other things. One of the first things we did when we bought a house in L.A. was uh, make it all drought tolerant. Yeah, because our water comes from way too far away to be watering lawn for it. At least grow something you can eat if you're going to water something. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah. Okay, and your second tip? So the second one is, as a gardener, um, one thing that you can do is put out a swarm box uh, in in your garden. Um, and basically what that is is a wooden box which can serve as a temporary home in the event that a swarm shows up in your backyard uh, like it did with us. When uh, a hive is about to swarm, they issue scout bees uh, to go scout out new locations for the for the colony to relocate. And uh, when you have a swarm box, uh, the the proportions are basically um, what what they're looking for. It's about forty. Uh, the exact dimensions are actually in Christie's book. <laughs> if you right. want to pick it up, there's a plan in her first book. As a matter of fact, yes. In Gardening for Geeks, uh, we feature a, a little snippet from Honey Love um, that Robin Chelsea provided that shows the dimensions of uh, a, a box for, you know, a swarm box with the the right size opening. And I think it's, what is it, like 40 quarts, 40 liters. 40 liters. Yeah. And uh, that works out to about 20 by 10 or something like that. And, um, and a little opening that's about what an inch and a half to two inches wide. Mm-hmm. And, and you can bait it with the lemongrass oil, like we were talking about before, which mimics that queen bee pheromone, the orientation pheromone. And also if you want to put some beef hive frames in there and line it with beeswax basically you want to make it smell like home so you're enticing those bees to come in otherwise they're going to colonize your water meter your compost bin your attic the side of your wall and that makes it much more difficult for a beekeeper to come and help you out Um, if they move into this swarm box it could not be easier to help relocate those bees and then give you back your box yeah great that's a very good tip and thank you for sharing that so 
Uh, thank you also, Robin Chelsea, for being on the Gardener Tip of the Week podcast. I'm so glad we were able to set this up. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Sure. All right. Big, so we're we're excited to have gotten to participate. We're totally nerds. Yay! <laughs> Yay for the chicken bee. Uh, garden trifecta nerds we're all that way <laughs> all right garden nerds you'll find more information about robin chelsea mcfarland and honey love on gardennerd.com this week we'll share links to their website and their book we'll also guide you toward information on national honeybee day and we're going to include a link to an adorable national honeybee day flash mob video so that you can learn that for your you know for your national honeybee day flash mob well, if they, I don't know. Are you guys going to be doing that again by any chance? Everyone's invited. The, the dance steps are on there. So awesome. All right. Well, that's it for this week, everyone. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of gardening information on gardennerd.com. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under gardennerd1, on Facebook as gardennerd.com, and of course, our gardennerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening.